0: ask ourselves how do we know what the folks are thinking and feeling who report to us who we're responsible for the ones that we plug into payroll right the employees the team the people who we are guiding what do we know about what they want to do how important that trust and respect is for them what are the things that they're trying to do get curious about their purpose
1: Hello, Positive Leaders. Thanks for joining us today. You are listening to the Positive Leadership Podcast with Andrea Crabtree and David Liss, a podcast for everything a veterinary manager needs to know to get the job done. We've been there, and we know how hard it is, and are here to help share our knowledge and expertise to elevate you. I'm Andrea Crabtree, co-founder of Positive Leadership Podcast, owner of FurPaws Consulting, a certified veterinary practice manager, and HR certified professional
2: and i'm david lis co-founder of the positive leadership podcast i'm also a certified veterinary practice manager hold an mba and i'm a registered veterinary technician
1: and this podcast is for you the veterinary practice manager supervisor leader we want to elevate you by equipping you with relevant content material guidelines instruction feedback and pro tricks and tips
2: we will deliver real life experience along with our super smart guests that will get you through the obstacles that you're facing today with some bloopers and blunders along the way to remind you that you're not alone.
1: This episode is sponsored by Thrive Affordable Vet Care. Looking for a thriving career? Make the change and find your why at Thrive. Now hiring clinical staff. Visit thrivevet.com careers today. Well, positive leaders, we have an amazing, amazing guest here today. I am so excited to talk with Shelly Johnson from PVU. She has been an inspiration to me. I can't even tell you how many times. Thank you, Shelly, so much for coming on the show. We are super excited to have you today. Oh, Andrea and David, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. So thank you very much. I'm looking
2: forward Yay, to it. welcome, Yay, welcome. Yay,
0: <laughs> thank you.
1: We have this tradition on the show that we don't like to read someone's bio. I feel like that's very stale and kind of last century. So we instead like to ask you about your journey to how you have become where you are today, sitting, talking with us on this podcast. So can you give us your history and your bio and tell me about yourself? Sure, sure. You know, I'm a proud member of the Bohemian Professionals Group,
0: okay? So we're gonna just put Perfect. that right out there. We'll start right? with that. Yes, we'll start with that. And uh, as, as you had mentioned, uh, where I'm at in my career is with um, Patterson Animal Health, with Patterson Veterinary University. Uh, but how did, get th- how did I get there? I'm not sure. I mean, there, are, there are so many things that came into play and wonderful people along the way. Um, but this, this idea that I had to somehow be involved with education in the veterinary profession at the practice manager level when I knew nothing about it years ago uh, was something that I had people who encouraged me along the way you should do that you should do that and so I don't know if it was uh, just stumbling along and finding my way but what really connected me was meeting the people along the way uh, I had 20 years over 20 years of working in a couple of small animal practices uh, common ownership so I had early on in my career the ability to work in a a couple of different physical plants with common ownership, right? And so that was a new thing back 30, you know, 25, 30 years ago. Yeah. I also yeah. had, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you remember this either, Andrea, but I was one of those people that was crazy enough to start telemanagement. And this is, there was not a pandemic to prompt that. I started <laughs> <Right>. in, <laughs> in 2000, uh, I was managing a couple of practices in the state of Michigan. My partner and I had moved out to New Mexico. And so I was telemanaging and it was really invented as you go. And the day that the uh, the practice, Owner uh, had accepted my proposal to do this crazy telemanagement thing. Was a day that I pretty much dropped everything that I knew and started. I embarked on something I, ha- I knew nothing about. I had fax machines. We are just beyond the mimeograph, if you remember that. And we had really just come into the world of Microsoft Office and the internet. Thank goodness for Al Gore. We have internet, so I was able to email. And there were no, you know, there was not really much etiquette with all of that. So instructions I would give the teams at the time would be lengthy and drawn out. And so I made a ton of mistakes early on. But some Somehow or another, through those, it was about 10 years, I did telemanagement and wow. uh, then moved into a consulting, yeah, moved into some consulting space. And I, that was by accident. I had a few practices that had, uh, you know, folks had seen me speak at different conferences, etc., and said, hey, Shelly, we'd like to pick your brain on some things and enough brain picking. Uh, you know, they, they said, we want to pay you for that too. And I said, oh gosh, okay. So we went into, I guess we'll have to start a business. So I did and did some consulting, really enjoyed that a lot. And what I found, you know, was that working with practices was typically solving problems day in and day out uh, for people, but really the biggest thing, yeah, was... Helping to, people to believe in themselves, you know, building a belief system and how they could tackle these things. So we've got the tactics, the operational pieces, but really we need to be able to come together and um, you know figure out what's the best approach. Can we try something and uh, move forward? So I, you know, I think that I fell into a lot of this by by luck. I was inspired by a lot of great people I had studied and and learned from in terms of practice management. And who were gracious in giving me their time through the way, but man, I, I I really am just kind of this melting pot of information, I guess, and then fell mm-hmm. absolutely head over heels in love with leadership. Um, you know, we've got so much uh, out there that we can learn from as far as leadership uh, in in the world. Um, but uh, I think about our impact in veterinary hospitals right now, and boy, I think people are just really craving it.
1: So. Yeah, for sure, I agree with that. Your official title is Senior Manager of Training and Education for Patterson University. You have your CVPM, and you also have an MSSL, which is a Master's of Science in Strategic Leadership. So to me, that says all things education and training, right? That is all things that, like you said, coaching these people and giving them encouragement. We can can do the strategic part of it, the operations part of it, right? But then there's this piece of like training and education that just just screams Shelly Johnson, right? And I love that. So with that, what piece of that could you say was your favorite, like book or podcast or CE class, or what piece of education that really had a lasting effect on you?
0: Okay, sure. That's a that's a great question, Andrea. And you know you really you could be in for a little bit of trouble here because there are a lot of books out there <laughs> big one, maybe two. <laughs> yeah, right so i will what i will do is i will give you how about my favorite three and i will kind of bump them all together good here. compromise so, okay. all right so my most widely i guess widely appreciated book um would be emotional intelligence by daniel goldman and that really solved for me the curiosity about emotional intelligence. And then I think next I would take a more recent um, author, and that is Amy Edmondson with The Fearless Organization. And really we've got some pieces of that psychological safety um, that get built in there that um, I think are so important for our culture. And then my next author, and you both are probably going to go, yes, and that's Brene Brown and Daring Greatly. Yep, exactly. So we take the three of these people. If I could, if I could sit down, you know, there's there's always this question out there. If you could have three people invite them to a you know conversation, who would they right. be? Yeah, I think right. it would actually be those three people. Well, then you two as well. But we'd take those three people and we'd start talking about what we can do if if we were to intersect their topics, and that's what really I think has captivated me um, to be some of my like ah, I don't know me to build out my mantras. Right? Um, would come
2: from those three authors. That's awesome. So obviously, or I guess I shouldn't say obviously, but you know, it's not like you have a passion for leadership and education at all, right? I mean, that's just mm-hmm. like a, no. a side thing <laughs> right. you do. No, no. <laughs> yes, yeah. right. Um, yeah. So it's it's. I mean, it, it like oozes out of uh, what you do, and I think probably to some extent who you are. So that passion for leadership and education. What what makes those areas so important to you? I mean, you have um, you know your title of a senior manager in training and. You, or leadership in education, what what makes these areas something that you decided to basically invest your whole career in?
0: Mm, uh, so again, just kind of the melting pot of circumstances, but when, when you bring it in close that way and we're thinking about the people that may have inspired some of that pathway for me, you know, it comes down to this, David. For me, it's really about connecting the hearts and minds with self and community. It's about that human potential and the human condition, really. And what is our effect on all of that? How can we become and help others become like more today than we were yesterday? And so I I kind of live in that space. I see a lot of people, you know, as an example, on the exterior. They are, um, maybe they don't have a lot of confidence, or maybe they're afraid to step into something. And I have learned that something pretty amazing can happen um, if we give that person five to 10 minutes of time to chat and just really listen to converse with them and learn about what they're hoping to do. And leadership and education really, for me, can be quite formal. But in these five to 10-minute segments, these little conversations where we are really listening, engage with that other person that's where the value truly is for them but that's what really gets me going right and uh, leadership and education and training and these topics are really about for me like the inquiry right and listening and leaving someone with something to ponder to think about and and really kind of imagine where they might be their discovery then becomes their own and oh my gosh that is so awesome to see because if you leave them with just some of those seeds they will take those and carry those on. You think about your own circumstances and, and who has inspired you and how, where you have found inspiration from. And it's not someone telling you something to do. It's maybe some of those little one-off conversations where you're going, I wonder what if. And so I like to leave people there with their own question, what if.
1: Shelly, I love this, and I want to dig into this because I feel like what I know of you has been, before I really got to know you really well, it was like this Shelly Johnson that was at VHMA conference, and she was the... the, the career coach you could spend, you know, sign up for and have a, a career development conversation with, or at the, the vet partners meeting. And you would talk about career development and, and, and have the, like, I always just saw you in these areas where you were the coach in the career development session of some, some way, somehow. And I love that because what you're telling me is we just need to give somebody five minutes or even 10 to really listen and hear and dive into that And I feel like that partners with you being the coach in the career development and how we can further someone's career just by listening. So tell me what you do as a coach. What type of career development is out there for practice managers that may be listening to this show that will say, listen, I'm either at a dead end job or I want to take it to the next step or I want to change my current position. I want to make a difference. I want to do something, but just don't even know what to do or where to go, or even that they're having that burning sensation inside of them. They just know like they're just bursting, but don't know what to do. Tell me about how we can make a difference there. Sure.
0: Sure. Great, great question. A lot of thoughts running through my mind on that. And, you know, first of all, you know, I'm invited to those rooms. I'm invited to participate in those panels and to be the so called, you know, SME in the room on this. And so what that should tell us, it really informs us that there's a wider conversation going on on, out there. There is within these associations, such as VHMA and through vet partners, uh, the the curiosity about helping to build others. And I think that is really important to recognize here. Um, There are a lot of people I'm definitely not a alone when it comes to um, being a an SME that can listen and and help share wisdoms uh, from from experience when we get into the coaching part of it you know the next point I want to make here is I am not a certified coach and um, there are people that have who study this and have credentialing in this and, I, and are are really well-equipped professionals to be coaches. I'm in that space of, I know enough about what we've seen in our profession, and I know enough about my experience and quite a few others' experiences to say, hey, I've seen this happen before. How does that resonate with you? Right. So I can have mm-hmm. these conversations and navigate yeah. that way to start pulling some things out. But at the end of this conversation, it might be Have you considered talking with a professional coach? Have you considered oh, yeah, this? Right. And so I'm kind of an intermediary. And so I didn't want there to be any confusion. Right. But I think when we talk about people who feel that they are and I see this in the groups of people that come in and I'm thinking of the VHMA um, panel discussions we've had on career conversations, right? And I'm thinking about those people who are saying, "Uh, what's next? I want to get into speaking. I want to do this. What should I do? What should I charge? What should I, it's like, what do you, what is it that you want to do? And so I think it is really an exercise of, and it's tough to say, but an exercise of patience. And it's hard to be patient when we're chomping at the bit and we want to go on to what might be our next thing. We don't know what door to look through, right? It's like, ah, oh, I don't yeah. know where to go. Right. And so <laughs> just go, just go like fools, right? And so we get going. And, um, I, and, and I think, you know, this is some of what I take away from Brene Brown, right? Is, you know, let's be brave, right? Let's step mm-hmm. out yes. into it, right? Yes. And, and we need to draw upon that and really kind of apply that in our own circumstance. And, and so when I run into, you know, folks, and I'll get phone calls, and, and this, this happens actually quite a bit. People reach out and say, hey, Shelly, I don't know what to do. I've got X, Y, and Z going on. Or, Andrew, I might be working with some of our sales team members and they'll call and say, hey, I've got a customer who's having some struggles here. They are trying to navigate this particular circumstance. They don't know exactly what to do. Well, there might be a class for that, but really, I yeah. me tell you this, it comes down to conversation almost mm-hmm. 100% yes, of the time. Every time it's between right. 90 right. and 100% of the time, right? Yeah, How right. are we... That art of conversation is so powerful. Powerful. And yeah. I find that when people are in those dead end spaces and um, they're kind of stuck or they're looking for the next thing, the one thing that a lot of them haven't done yet is just have conversation. Talk
1: it out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Talk
0: it out, man. Right. And yeah, exactly. And say, I'm thinking about this and really um, just being brave in that moment. But um, I would never, it, well, actually, I have. This is this is true. I mean, I've had, and probably a handful of times in my career, I've had people come to me and say, I don't know what to do. XYZ is happening. We'll go through this, you know, kind of Q&A and talk our way through this. And uh, and, and I'll say, and I'm, I don't, <laughs> you might have heard me in a room or two say, hey, you can't go back and tell your bosses you're quitting. Okay. You can't do that. Yeah, right. And say, I listened to <laughs> Shelly Johnson oh, and she said, quit. But I have, and this is very confidential who I would have, you know, shared this with, but there have been probably a handful of folks. I'm like, you know what? This job just doesn't... Does not sound like it's your cup of tea and you know you are sounding like you're ready for your next your next adventure yeah. what you're going to do and what's that going to look like for you so I was leaving with a question about like oh man that situation really stinks <laughs> that you're in right now but yeah
1: it happens yeah I, I have to say Shelley, that you know through the VHMA um, they have a wonderful network of colleagues right we are mm-hmm. not doing any of this alone and I have built an amazing tribe Shout out to the SoCal Vet Managers Network. We have a group of probably eight or 10 of us besties that are all CVPM. Yep. We have this group chain that we all talk and, and vent. And, and I have been able to, I've had the luxury of saying, I need to have a conversation with you. And I think that's so important. What you're saying is just listen to this you know, kind of get it out or, or put some thoughts into words, right? And, and, and maybe be brave and take action. And I have built my tribe that I've been able to do that. And I take advantage of that. So I would encourage listeners, like if you are not a VHMA member, look into it. If you do not have a local managers group, look into it. Mm-hmm. It is not necessarily appropriate for us to go home to our wives or husbands or spouses or partners or anybody and, and verbal vomit on them because that's not always the right thing person that needs to hear that right get somebody who has walked in your shoes and been in that space with you that could potentially right guide you to a professional coach or help you put thoughts onto a paper that's been in 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 that same type of profession, right? That, that you're in. And the VHMA is absolutely a great place to do that. Cause there is, you know, like I said, we are not in this alone, right?
0: <laughs> right. No, not at all. And I think you bring up a, a you know, terrific points there, several of them. And it, it actually, one of the things that you just mentioned here, I'm thinking about a book I'm reading right now, it's the Contrarians Guide to Leadership. And it's written by Steve Sample and also uh, Warren Bennis is in this as well. And Warren Bennis is a, a, an amazing, amazing, one of the forefathers of some excellent leadership topics. Um, but as I'm reading, The contrarian's guide to leadership. I think it's around early in the book, about chapter two or three, I think. uh, He's talking about artful listening. And we know what active listening is, right? An artful yes, listening. Yes, of course, right? uh, Yeah, artful listening is that thing that allows us to think about what the other is saying. Simultaneously, we're listening to our, our own minds and like bringing up and generating new ideas. And it's it's kind of like, yeah. I think he refers to it as double vision in his book. And we're oh, wow. able to navigate between the two of those. That's elevating your listening skills, right? And so, but also, at around the same time in the book, he's talking about building your advisor group and the time types of people that you have, your close advisors, and that's what you were just saying, right? You've got this network, this tribe, your posse, you know, these people who understand and they're within context, they understand the context and that is so important. That's another feature, you know, we're Mm -hmm. talking about leadership, you know, this is self-leadership and, you know, really being able to understand context too. And so your advisors are those people that are, you know, you're going to have a multitude of people in your, if you even pick five. So I want to have mm-hmm. one or two that are yeah. from my context, my work context. Yeah, right. I've got my professional or my personal context people. I've got my fun context people, right? And we have these people. How can we navigate in between all those and respect mm-hmm. those boundaries so we're not burning them out either by bringing work yeah, things to personal, right. personal to work, etc.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. You know, it's it's funny you mention all this because I think that there's this kind of maybe umbrella term for a lot of these things, uh, you know, emotional intelligence. And I'll, I think, you know, this is just my own postulating, but it seems like emotional intelligence kind of then splits off into psychological safety, you know, authentic positive leadership, or, you know, positive psychology, you know, these these different areas that kind of um, cut branch from that. But I think there's some, there, there's a piece of it that... Really has to do with self-regulation, and and lots of authors talk about this. The idea to regulate your own emotions, and then at some point tap into, learn about, or or empathize or whatnot with with others. But if you imagine why we make things unsafe psychologically, right, or we, you know, we don't listen intently or or carefully, it's because of our brains, typically the lizard part of our brain, right, kind of going into overdrive and taking over the ability to see gray space or sit with a feeling or kind of remove ourselves from the situation and listen to what somebody else is going through. So there's all of these things that I think really kind of are, are emotionally, emotional intelligence tools that it all kind of rolls downhill from EI. So I wonder, Shelley, if you could talk a little bit about how you know our, our listeners or veterinary practice managers if you could talk about how these guys could our listeners could really kind of lead their teams through you know some of these areas knowing their teams may not have the right communication tools needed to understand some of this so you know set a different way how can a manager lead working with a group of employees or staff members or or whatnot where you could say they are not highly emotionally intelligent uh and you want to to um you know, lead in an emotionally intelligent way. Hopefully, that's not too much to unpack, uh, but we would really appreciate your thoughts on that.
0: Sure. Yeah. And I think um, a terrific question, a terrific framing. And I, and I love the fact that it, it really ties back into <laughs> three of my favorite authors, right? Daniel Goleman was the first one that really was, for me, very uh, inspirational um, to my journey and, and with emotional intelligence. And I think, you know, you used a, a phrase that I'm still trying to. I'm trying to understand uh, how well I really can uh, accept this terminology and highly emotional intelligence. So I don't know if it's there's a high intelligence or it's a high awareness of emotional intelligence. And that's what I wrestle with. Oh, and wow. um, I'm that's, not saying yeah. I'm not yeah, I'm not saying right or wrong. I'm just that's what I'm processing in you know yeah. in my experience. And so um I I I really particularly like that you brought all of this, you know, together in this this framing this type of question. So I, without getting too schooly on this, and by the way, the MSSL is a master's of strategic leadership, right? I'm working on a doctorate program right now in executive leadership. So I oh, live and goodness. breathe this stuff all, oh, wow. all day long. And so- Well, we just I, when, have an
1: hour, Shelley, so- uh. I know. it.
0: So we'll try to keep it pretty trim here, but- you know, dissertation, yeah. It, no, no, gosh, that's this year. So anyway, I, what, you know, for managers and where I came from with being a practice manager, and really trying to get my head around how can I work with the entire team. I'm studying this stuff at the time, and currently, but I'm studying it, and how can I help the, the entire practice with this, and I think that's what you're kind of asking here. So, what you know, if we have some kind of mental scale that folks are on or not on with emotional intelligence, what are some of the important pieces here that can help us navigate? And so, I, I really, I think that what I want to point out is that EI, emotional intelligence, is really a framework, which helps us to, it really enables us to better understand ourselves and how we interact with the world emotionally. That is plain and simple. That is non-scientific jargon. That is, how do I understand my emotions and how do I understand what emotions are being portrayed at me, whether we're talking across the team and equally interested in across to our, our, our clients that come into the practice, right? It helps us really more to understand how others are processing their emotions as well. And we've got these highly charged situations. We've got the dark side of emotional labor in veterinary hospitals, right? We've got all of this going on. And then we've got this thing called the pandemic that we're wrestling with that, that monster as we're trying to emerge back out, right? So if we take a look at with emotional intelligence, and, and thinking about that as a framework, um, I, I, I think that, you know, it, it can be, these, these can be buzzwords, but you mentioned self-regulation, self-awareness. We think about motivation and empathy. We think about the characteristics of this framework of emotional intelligence. What types of things can we do in our practices that help to bring awareness inside of the activities that we're already doing? And are we conversing? Are we having conversation around this? And it, the conversation is not, you know, employee A or technician A or uh, receptionist or CSM A. You, you know, what you, what you did out there was just wrong, right? The conversation is, wow, I, I, I saw what was going on out here and I'm curious about, you know, what happened from start to finish talk to me about this you know because obviously this person may be upset or something's going on or maybe they brushed it off and as a manager i'm looking at that circumstance going i think we can do better here and what is better but i'm not sure i have all the information And David, I think sometimes we as managers don't we don't do a great job at getting all that information. So tell me what it was like. Yeah, Yeah. tell me what was going on. Tell me what was happening. So you're not coming at a person and say, you know, here I am, the big bad emotional intelligence police, right? Or big bad behavior police. What I'm what I'm doing is I'm I'm interested now. I'm investing, right? And I'm curious. And that's a huge word here. I'm curious about what the circumstances were. Help me understand the context. And so, okay, wow. So we then, as the manager, have a choice to say, wow, great course of action. Great course of action. Um another question, if it's something that is questionable, we can say, Okay, all right. So given the circumstance and all that's happened here, is there anything that you would do differently? You mm-hmm. give them the opportunity. Mm-hmm. That person yeah. oftentimes does know. was like, you know, I thought maybe I should, but I just didn't know what to do. Well, you want to talk about it? And then we can have a conversation. This is really conversational leadership. I've got a friend of mine who whose leadership model is conversational leadership. She'd be super excited to know that I'm talking about this right now. But I would love to <laughs> stand right her. next to her. I know, right? <laughs> hey, Lisa. So what I would like to you know be able to do is stand with her and say, hey, girl, this is really important stuff. Carry that model forward. Because conversation, when we can talk with in our practices and pull, you know, Jackie aside and say, wow, that was really an interesting situation you ran into, tell me more about that. It's these little phrases that we can use with people that helps them to just have a conversation versus feeling like they have to defend their actions. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, yeah. if I feel like I, if somebody's putting me on the hot spot and I have to defend myself, I'm yep. throwing out all my big weapons and guns here. I yep. am going to protect yeah. myself, yeah, do
2: right. not take
1: me down. Yeah, right? totally and,
2: natural, right? Total total yeah. natural human reaction to that too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was just gonna say, some of goes back to I think when, Brene Brown talks about shaming, right? So yeah, we're absolutely. being shamed into a bad answer Correct. or something we've done wrong, right? We're being, you know, we're shamed, and and I think I've I've read this book, The Six Thinking Hats, by Edward de Bono, and I love it, and I reference it all the time because it talks about how as managers we have to go into these conversations with, um, like you talk about this, you know, the red hat is this emotional hat where the practice owner comes in and is like, this receptionist scheduled this appointment <laughs> five minutes yeah. to five? How dare they fire him? And I'm like, whoa, 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 simmer down. Let's find out some answers. Let's Uh ask some questions to find out why that reception booked that appointment at five minutes to five. It's because the owner, you know, this is the only time the owner could make it or whatever. And, and so we have to put on that hat. That's the investigator hat and ask these questions. Tell me about why you made this choice. Tell me about this decision. I think we could have handled it better instead of going in and shaming them and saying, how dare you book this appointment at five to five, you know, for this and, and really taking that, I mean, in my philosophy, that's kind of like that servant leadership of how do I want to be, atta- you know, attacked? I don't want to be, I don't want to have my right. hackles up when my manager comes and tells mm-hmm. me that, you know, I screwed up this appointment or something instead of finding out, did we even do the right thing right. or all of a sudden we're being shamed into this poo poo on you. You did this wrong. Yeah. Right. Totally. I, it's, it's interesting with all of this and I it,
0: absolutely, the shaving piece is huge and a lot of lessons to learn. And, and, you know, in reflecting that, you know, when I first read through her work on that, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm terrible. I know, I'm awful. right? What have I done oh. to these people, right? You know like, there's the a years. mirror yeah. right in front of me. Oh no, they need therapy right. because of me. <laughs> I, they, exactly, and so, and, and and it's just that's just an awful feeling. And so, you know, we we're trying to help both sides of the equation here, right? By having these honest conversations and saying, okay, yeah. this is a real thing, you know. And we may yeah. do this because the the behavior was modeled before us, and we're sort of walking into that because we really don't have a script for all this. This is what we're talking right, about exactly. in these podcasts and these conversations yes. now, right? Yeah. Is to say there is a way. Um, I wish and, I would have known, yeah, right? Oh gosh, and nobody right. told me, right? right? And so I, I learned the hard way. I know it, man, boy. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, I think what we're talking about too are you know, David, your question about how do we teach this to, you know, emotional intelligence, how do we bring this to light? And I think by having these little conversations, you know, there's an an old adage, catch them doing something good kind of thing. And we can do that yeah. still. It yeah. Bring this back to life. It is perpetual. That's a perpetual ask for a manager. But when we think about this and we catch them doing something good or right, we need to attach the meaning to that. We need to have them attach the meaning to that. Tell me more about this. Wow, that was interesting. Tell me more about this. Would you do the same thing if the circumstance came up again would you do it the same way yeah, yeah right. absolutely would you do mm-hmm. anything different you know no mm-hmm. I would do XYZ it would be too bad you know we can't do it like this Wow, that's a great idea imagine what we could do with innovation in our practices if we actually had conversations with each other that were genuine in this way versus it's not in the rule authentic so parent yeah right. exactly and I think what we get to is our emotional value system which speaks to the emotional intelligence framework, but I think there's an emotional value system here of having people feel good about how they are interacting. And so um, I think there there's possibly a, a, an interesting conversation in all of that too.
1: Shelley, I want, I feel like as managers, Again, I wish I had a podcast or a manual or Mm. something when I was a manager, right? I made these mistakes and I realized like, you know, years later and sometimes minutes later, like, oh, snap, shouldn't have done that. And had to, you know, go out, head hang low and kind of apologize, but didn't necessarily know some of the bigger things until later that were, you know, hey, I shouldn't probably shouldn't have approached it that way or there's a better way to do that and and i think one of them is you know right the shaming aspect of that what do you think are one or two or you know even three of some of the things that we've talked about or maybe haven't addressed yet that say stop doing these like if anything go into work tomorrow and don't do this again try to figure out a better way can you give us a quick rundown of these are things that i've realized i did were mistakes or don't don't touch that with a 10-foot pole yeah exactly okay so all right quickly let's see so one two things
0: first one Challenge yourself to be more curious. Um, You don't always have all the information. You don't. You you may think that you have all the information, but mistakes that I made, I made a lot of assumptions. Um, I didn't at the time because the conversation wasn't built around having biases. Um, We're understanding more about our own biases, right? There's there's a lot of conversation about that right now, but challenge yourself to be more curious. And I think that it's, you know, as much as we work hard to create the trust and respect with our our bosses, our veterinarian owners, right? We try to work really hard to make sure that we've got that trust and rapport built with them. Ask ourselves, how do we know what the folks are thinking and feeling who report to us, who we're responsible for, the ones that we plug into payroll, right? The employees, the team, the people who we are guiding what do we know about what they want to do how important that trust and respect is for them what are the things that they're trying to do get curious about their purpose okay and and I miss that I miss that quite a bit because early on because I was very busy um, trying to make sure that I had all my task lists taken care of that I had everything taken care for the taken care of for the owner And there's a lot of stuff going on in the hospital, right? And so um, just, there's some mental moments in there and it doesn't take a ton of time, so get curious. And the second one is, and it ties right to this, listen more. We think we know a lot, we do know a lot, we're entrusted with a lot, but we have a lot of room to learn and the way that we're gonna learn is by listening, and it's truly listening. So going back to that active listening, artful listening how can we mature our listening skills
2: that's amazing that was amazing yes I think that we you know it's so funny you jumped ahead and it wasn't any you know because we have this tradition on the podcast where we ask our listeners about like literally one or two things that we can kind of put into place you know we record these on Friday so on Monday and I think you just kind of Wrapped up, you know. Nailed both, it. Yeah, right. Both the kind <laughs> of what we're wrap. kind of missing and what we're uh, <laughs> All right, what we're we should tackle. So, uh, so yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um So as we kind of start to get into the kind of sunset of the podcast, we have a couple other things to go through. But the first one is uh, we actually like to ask our guests about a little bit of advice, and the way that we typically frame this is. You know, if you were to kind of give advice to your younger manager self and, you know, to give advice to, you know, maybe younger managers and obviously managers who have been through what you might be about to describe to us, you know, obviously can say, oh, yeah, that's great advice. But we always just like to kind of frame it that way to say, you know, if you could give one piece of advice to our listeners and to think of, you know, something you might have wanted to tell yourself when you, you know, first entered the profession, what would it be and why that?
0: Sure. Well, I, I had learned it. And I had t- that's a great question. I had probably the first five years of managing, which I, I still think I'm a slow learner. I mean, it took me this long to figure this out, but there isn't a problem and there were plenty of problems, plenty of issues and circumstances that clients or team would bring i mean you talk about having a team of 20 people and three ladies come in on a monday morning saying we're expecting it's like wow i mean there's just stuff that gets thrown at you
1: yeah um wow. there's a
0: a client that every you know every time something's gonna go wrong you're like oh that's mrs bojangles again we know that it's mrs bojangles because it's just that weird thing that
2: happened <laughs> another th- right th- right. Thing,
0: right so what i learned about five years in was If I really believe in our values and our vision at the practice, there isn't a problem that can't be solved by honing in on that what are we trying to get to here what is the chief objective here and you know that is from a practice standpoint right so I am an agent if you will of the practice as the manager I'm that agent and people are counting on me to solve problems I've got 400 problems coming at me at one time and I'm going to stick to my core the center pole of really being grounded in what is our purpose and that is to take care of clients and patients Right, in the best way possible, yada yada. And I think this also, I can take this into the same room where I am conducting interviews. And I would advance this 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, now 30 years later. If I'm conducting interviews, I think it is ultimately important pre- just absolutely the pinnacle of importance here, to remember the applications. And what I mean by that is, whether the job application to the hospital or the application to the vet school or vet tech school or to your CVPM application, I'm going to tell you this, each application asked why that person is applying. Okay. You guys are probably fans of Simon Sinek as well. Uh, Simon Sinek yes. is a buzzword in and of himself, right? Right. Um, it's all the about why. the why. Mm-hmm. It's all about the why. I choose to think about why his talks inspire me, and it comes down to this: I've been fortunate enough to like be in this space, right, that intersects with everybody else's why. So am I, and are you, as a manager, are you doing everything that aligns with your values, beliefs, and helping them move their needle to get to their why? So I'm aligning my personal values as well as the hospital values simultaneously. And I'm keeping centered to be able to solve problems, but also help people grow. So it's about the application.
1: Oh, fantastic.
0: That's my advice. I love it.
1: I drop right there. I just want to put in a quick splice here. Uh, Shelly, you mentioned Mm -hmm. uh, SME, and for those listeners who may not know what that term is, it's subject matter expert, right? I remember having one of our other guests on, and they had said some term, and I'm, like, Googling it on the side, like, what the hell does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, for somebody who hasn't Googled it yet, SME means subject matter expert, so there we go. Can we talk about it? Can we talk about that? Yeah, sure. I will talk about this. Yeah. This is
0: a, this this great. So this dare is, you. <laughs> this is a career path. I mean, this is something that happened along my career path. So uh, it, sometime into beginning speaking, okay, and kind of getting myself out there, putting my brave suit on and, and, and hoping that I would get to speak someplace, um, I had received a phone call from Christine Shoup. Uh, with VHMA. She's the executive director, as you know, of VHMA. Yes, Christine. And Nathan, Christine. Yes. <laughs> Christine says, Shelly, we'd really like to have you speak on blah 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 given some topic. After all, you are an SME. And I'm like, huh? Subject matter expert. Right? Guys, I'm like, what? And she says, subject matter experts. First time I ever heard that term. And I go, Oh, okay. Well, I think I was in shock because the word expert. <laughs> in 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 my you know in my brain was right. just not resonating. I'm like, huh? Yeah. I had no idea. So you too can be an SME. Um just have Christine right.
1: give you a call and she'll <laughs> <All right. laughs> oh. Shelly, this is one of my favorite parts of the show because we get into some deep stuff but then we lighten it up with this great real life story. And I know that you have probably your your longevity And seniority and veterinary medicine, you have got to have some just amazing interactions with whether it's a a client or a practice owner or staff, a team member. Um, I know you've had an encounter where in the moment, just like your jaw hits the ground and your eyes pop out like pugs and your palm hits your forehead. And you're like, no freaking way. This shit just happened. Pinch me. Am I dreaming or is this real? You cannot make this shit up. I would love to hear your story oh. and entertain us <laughs> with uh, you, change a an name and protect the innocent, but tell us your story
0: oh my gosh oh this is great so yeah there are some that are, are probably good for prime time and some that are probably not so I'm really struggling here for the primary <laughs> time you know
2: what what we has want the ones a that girl you're shying it away from. that's exactly what it. we want on this show I know, yeah, it. Right. I know it
0: I know it so you know but there is this confidentiality piece right and and that's something that's so embedded in the type of work that I do you know when we are coaching, sure. we are yeah. that close to emotions to people etc and so let me think here so um uh, uh, so big when the outrage just happens. really gets locked. Yeah, these things do get kind of locked up here, in my mental vault. So um, I know we've all had these moments, and they do stop you in your tracks. I mean, you were you opened up with the elevator story with my with the slip there. So yes, you know I right. was thinking Good, you know great. when I was in practice, um, I was amazed at some of the foreign bodies. Okay, so let's go right into surgery, right? And um, so this was even. It, as a manager, and then before that, when I was I was a veterinary assistant for a few years before managing, um, but these foreign bodies that the docs would, you know, haul out of these sweet little dogs, and um, and, and and the clients would have no idea, you know, they'd come for a hospital pickup, and they'd have no idea about the types of foreign bodies that were being hauled out of these little animals, I mean, we were talking about some things that were maybe found on a bedroom floor, and so, you know, that would get yes. us just absolutely <laughs> going, oh my Hilarious. gosh, i are so embarrassed. Right. So we've had some of those moments too, but I would also hear, let's see, I'm thinking about in in one hospital I worked at, we used to board um, macaws and cockatoos, you know, very, very large birds, right? And and, um, the phones would ring in the back of the hospital on about the third or the fourth ring. And these these birds, you guys know, they're really loud. Yes. And so about that third or fourth ring, you'd hear, hello, and then you'd hear, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then just a, shitstorm of swear words coming out of the box. No way! Yeah. Way, way. Oh, and man. you're going, oh no! And so, um, yep, so we would you know, then embarrassingly then the so owner funny. would come in to pick them up. Right? We're like, yeah, we know a little something about you. And we heard other things too. Yeah. And then a- another client experience, customer, I guess a client experience would be, um, oh, I remember. This was, a f- this was interesting. There was a snake owner. Okay, We, we saw all sorts of animals in, in this one hospital. And um, there's a snake Owner who was convinced that keeping the snake warm upon arrival to the clinic, okay, get this. So you want to keep them warm. You don't want them to get too cold. Was only going to be achieved by placing the snake underneath her clothing. Okay, that was always a oh, show goodness. to have her then pull the snake out.
2: Oh my! Oh wow. Wow. yes, yeah, oh wow. yeah.
0: Those were jaw-dropping moments in the practice. But um yeah, there's there. Then there have been some very interesting times um in, in a number of different arenas. So those are the top three probably top three of my favorites but i have had client interactions that i definitely um i probably need a little more time to think about uh, (laughs) uh, a glass of wine might prompt yeah right uh. that's great
1: hey andrea here have you seen our social media pages Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also find us on our website, www.positiveleaders.com. And if you like what you see there, be sure to give Rhonda and Linda a shout out over at Dog Days Consulting. They do all of our social media management. They even built our website. Those ladies can work some creative magic for your business and your brand. Check them out on Facebook at Dog Days Consulting or visit their website at www.dogdaysconsulting.com.
2: So Shelly, tell me about your most epic failure that has left a lasting impact.
0: You know, I was once told uh, by an employee that I was not approachable. And for me, that was crushing. And I knew she was speaking for the collective group. Uh, My epic failure or failures here were related to not communicating not being available the way people needed me to be. And the lasting impact was really that I had to grow up and learn more about myself and about the world.
2: And tell me about your proudest moment.
0: Hmm. You know, one of my first consults, if not my first consult, revealed to me it was a practice manager, that she was uh, embarrassed to tell her boss that she had um, lied on her application. And she'd been with the practice for, at that time, probably 13 or 14 years. And for the record, she did not lie on her application. What she'd done, she'd completed the education question on the, on the application form in such a way that it was not obvious that she had not completed high school, right? So she told me this on day one. And so I sat there after I listened to her for about two seconds. I thought, oh gosh, how am I going to process this, right? So well, I asked her what she wanted to do about it, you know, here she's got this unveiling of this artifact, what does she want to do about it? And I just waited. And I'm going to tell everybody that the pause here is super important when you ask a question. And I think... What she said here was, well, I know what she said was, I think I want to do what you do. And she's talking to me, the CVPM consultant, <laughs> SME, as we have uncovered. Um, and she said, I think I wanna do what you do. And I asked her then, I, I paused and I asked her, what you know, what do you think, how are you going to get from here to there? And then again, the heavy pause. Her conversation with me started into a pathway that led her to her GED, her CVPM, and a college degree.
2: Um, wow. That may have been
0: life changing for her, but without a doubt, wow. life changing for me too. And I intentionally okay. listened to her and I got curious. So, you know, the two things you asked me earlier about listening and curiosity, those big takeaways, that, I mean, that was impactful for that person in that way.
2: So, why veterinary medicine? What do you just love about our profession? <laughs>
0: Oh boy, we are a, a, a beautiful uh, circus of characters. But the people side of the equation is what really kept me in there. Um, and so I have to say, what, what do I love about it? <laughs> it's the people. Um, we're a hot mess
2: of wonderful people. Self-care is a really important thing that we've been talking about a lot kind of recently. How do you practice self-care? How do you decompress?
0: During this weird year I became a runner um, which is kind of funny because I've never been a runner before. I've probably got more miles on my treadmill and my umpteen million pair of sneaks than I do on my 2019 Prius. So every day yoga, treadmill, some cycling every single day. And I will tell you both I am expecting so I'm pretty excited um, that might oh, be news that surprises you. Oh yeah, my I'm gosh, that's yay. I well uh, yeah let me finish here. I'm expecting sure. a baby a baby rower is what I'm expecting. So it might not have been exactly what you thought, but I'll take the uh, congratulations uh, anyway. Congratulations. <laughs> oh gotcha, gotcha. Well, you, you, you
2: uh, teed that you one up, didn't you? Did. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> How do you balance work and life, and do you experience any kind of work guilt in that balance?
0: Mm. Yes, I do. Um, work guilt is, is really um, a real thing, and um, I have a really a never-ending list of really important items um, to take care of every day, just like everybody else, right? We have to prioritize and reprioritize. Um, Sometimes the things that happen that have to be prioritized are out of my control. I work for a larger organization, and so we're going to have things that come at us um, a little bit differently and from a wider scope, and so prioritizing is is a never-ending skill set, and so balancing amongst the multiple priorities that way is a real trick.
2: What keeps you up at night, Um, things that you stress out over, things that cause you anxiety in your position or life or, or business?
0: Um, there's not a lot that really keeps me up at night, other than papers that I'm writing, and that hits, you know, goes pack, past my my bedtime, so to speak. But I will tell you this, a little secret that I, I'll share with you. I set sleep goals, and my sleep goals. I'm only disappointed in myself if I don't hit my sleep goals. My sleep goals take into consideration all of the work that I have to do, and when it's time for me to wind down at the end of the night, I get an alarm on my device, you know, on my mobile, my my I watch or whatever and it says hey bedtime's approaching I need those reminders and when I see that it it gives me permission to go ahead and slow everything down so the things that bother me that might keep me up um, that used to keep me up I've prioritized in a way now that I don't let them bother me so much because tomorrow is yet another day so I think the sleep goals help to motivate me so that I am not perplexed when I'm you know laying my head down at night
2: And what gets you up and out of bed in the morning? What excites you to start your day?
0: Well, I'm a morning person, and um, I drive others in the household nuts because I'm happy, 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 and uh, unless there's a hairball or something on the floor. You know, it's like, hey, I'm hitting the coffee. I've got a new research article that's come in overnight. The horses need me, so I hear they're nickering for food. And um, I know that treadmill's waiting for me, so I... uh, You know, I'm up and excited about my personal goals in the morning, and I achieve all, you know, take care of all that stuff in the morning. And I know that I'm going to hit the floor running with my team and the people I care about, where we have set, you know, mutual goals and we're really invested in turning out something great for that particular day or week. So um, I take care of self first, and I move right into uh, setting up for the day, and I've got a great team to work with.
2: Awesome. Wow, Shelly, this was amazing. Thank you, Shelly.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. It was great
2: to converse a little with you.
0: Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. It was a fun journey. It really was. So thank you.
2: Awesome. You're welcome. Have a great weekend.
0: All right. You guys, too. Take care.
2: For all the positive leaders listening out there, we hope you learned something to take back to your practice to put into use tomorrow.
1: We want to hear from you good, bad, and everything in between. So email us at positiveleaders at gmail.com. That's positive with a -A P-A-W. Want to hear about a specific topic on the podcast? Email us. Want to have your you can't make this shit up story featured? Email us.
2: You can listen to us on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the Positive Leadership Podcast and be sure to rate us check out our website at www.positiveleaders.com. That's positive with a -A P-A-W. And as always, catch us on all the socials.
1: This is Andrea.
2: And David.
1: Signing off until next time. Stay happy and sane.
2: The Positive Leadership Podcast is solely for informational purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided in this podcast are general in nature, and such information, statements, comments, views, and opinions and the receipt of this podcast by any listener are not intended to be and should not be construed as the provision of any business advice. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions expressed or provided in this podcast, including by speakers and guests, are those of Andrea Crabtree David List and their guests only, may not be current and do not represent the statements, comments, views, and opinions of any other person or business entity. Andrea Crabtree, David Liss, and or the Positive Leadership Podcast, do not make any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of any of the information, statements, comments, views, or opinions contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage of any kind whatsoever, is expressly disclaimed.